If you found your place and you're able to this morning, I want to invite you to stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. I realize everybody's not able, but if you're able, Romans chapter number 10, verse number 1, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. I preached the other morning on saved from what? Saved from sin, saved from self, saved from Satan. I mean, I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. What's he saying? He said they're very religious. They just don't know what they're talking about. Don't ain't that a picture of most churches in America today? Folks are rather religious. They just ain't got a clue what they're talking about. Verse number three, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. But Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law, that a man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, Say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. What in the world is he talking about here? He's talking about truth. He's talking about the truth. He said it's in your heart. You've heard the word of God. You know what the truth is as far as intellectually speaking is concerned. It's close to you. It's nigh unto you. It's in your heart, even in your mouth. You're used to speaking the truth. He told the Pharisees while they knew the law. Most of those Sanhedrin council and those in the sect of the Pharisees had memorized the first five books of the Bible. They'd spent all of their life in religious activities. They knew the truth. But not being mixed with faith and not having the work of the Holy Ghost of God, it was just dead law. Verse number 9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, that don't say confess your sins, that says confess Jesus. That means to admit that He is Lord. You're looking at one fat, blind Baptist preacher today that believes with all of my heart in lordship salvation. I hear a lot of people talk about they prayed a prayer, prayed a sinner's prayer, and they accepted him as their savior. They just didn't uh, accept him as their lord. There ain't no such animal. If he's your savior, he's got to be your lord. That word lord means someone who is in control and over you and over your life. There's a lot of people standing in this building this morning think you're saved by the grace of God. But the Lord Jesus Christ is no more in control of your life than the man on the moon. You ain't saved. You've never been born again. You do not understand grace. You live your life the way you want to live. You do what you want to do. And you blame. God for a bunch of your mess, but I tell you what, if you ever get saved, he becomes your Lord. And believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. How in the world's a man going to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead? You're going to have to get to know him. (laughs) You're going to have to see he's alive. You're going to have to get around where he's at. Hey, I tell you what, today, if you want to know that you know that you know that Jesus Christ is alive, look around what he's doing in some of these new converts. I mean, some of these fellows that was dead and trespasses and sins, and Jesus walked by and picked them up. They're standing up alive this morning, singing in the church and taking up offerings and holding flags and doing things for God's glory. 
Verse 10, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness. Now, that ain't a head salvation. That's your heart. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. That means when you get it, you ain't ashamed to tell about it. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. There's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich and all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse number 13 is probably one of the most misunderstood and one of the most misquoted, one of the misinterpreted. That doesn't put God in a corner and say that if you say a little sinner's prayer that God has to save you. If that were so, Brother Sam Blackburn, if, if it were really true that if all you have to do is say a prayer and pray and ask Jesus to save you and you're saved, no matter what happens, you're saved because you prayed that prayer. Then explain to me all these folks that prayed prayers years ago and in the last six months they've got born of the Spirit of God. Amen. I'm telling you this morning, salvation is a lot more than just a prayer. I'll get there in a minute. I'm moving along. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him? In whom they have not believed. Boy, there's a prerequisite to calling. How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? There's a prerequisite to believing. And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? I'll be just as honest as I can be in tenderness and simplicity. And I don't say this begrudging. I don't say this with a, a, a malice in my heart this morning. But I'm just being honest. Dr. Jack Hiles and Hiles Anderson University and the sword of the Lord and that crowd of that super Sunday school, super soul winning, went them through the screen door. A, B, C, one, two, three, say this prayer, repeat after me. Hocus pocus, you're a child of God. They have damned millions of souls into the pits of hell by teaching people that salvation's just a prayer. This morning, salvation is not just a prayer. Salvation's a person. His name's Jesus. And how in the world do you come? Come to that place of salvation. When you look at the scripture this morning, Paul gives it to us in almost an opposite chronological order. And it begins to talk about whosoever will, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there's no difference between the Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich and all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now the focus this morning on this verse of Scripture leads to this word, whosoever. That means that you don't have to be a Jew to get saved. You could be a Gentile to get saved. But this morning, I'll tell you in Flint Hill Baptist Church, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're rough or if you're tame. It doesn't matter if you're a dopehead or a deacon. Yeah. That make any difference if you're religious or if you're just rough as a cob. Their same Lord is able to save you this morning. He can save the religious just as good as he can save some old dope dinner and some old harlot on the street this morning. And see, that word whosoever, that's just an all-inclusive that if you'll come to him, you can get saved this morning. And I hear people say a lot of things, and there's a lot of folks that they say, I'm just too bad to get saved. 
Don't think God could ever change me. Don't think God could ever save me. Well, the Apostle Paul was a murderer of Christians. And he murdered in the name of God and under the anointing and inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. Paul said that he was the chief among sinners. And that means he was the worst one it's ever been. And if God could save the worst one, he could save you. There's a whole lot of folks this morning, instead of being too bad, they're too good to get saved. They're too good. They've got their church membership and their little uh, Sunday school pins are screaming down and knocking their knees when they walk. And they've got all kinds of accolades and all kinds of human achievements and all kinds of things and titles behind their name. And they're on this committee and on that committee and on some other committee. And a lot of folks just too good to get born again this morning. But I'll tell you, if you'll ever get to the place where you're a sinner in need of a Savior, whosoever will, let him come. And then he said, shall call. The word call means a sinner's heart plea in desperation. Did you know this morning that there's no such thing as a wrong sinner's prayer if you're under conviction God's drawing you? I had a precious young man that was a preacher of the gospel and God was beginning to use him. God beginning to use his life and he's pastoring a church now. But he was an early part of my young ministry and part of my youth group and he had got saved and the devil began to mess with him and try to get him confused and get him all out of whack. He called me on the telephone one evening and said, Preacher Mike, he said, I'm hurting. He said, I'm in a mess. And he said, I know it's the devil messing with me. And I've had fellowship with God. I know God changed my life. But he said, I'm worried. He said, I can't remember what I prayed when I knelt down in the altar. Let me tell you this morning, it don't make a hill of beans what you prayed when you got down in the altar. Did you know this morning your tears are language God understands? But that call is a heart call to God. It's a call of desperation. Eh? It might be when you set foot out of that pew and start down the aisle, that might have been the call. I tell you what, the call unto God might have been when you knelt down on your knees and you didn't know what to say and you just said, Oh God. Hey, there's a lot of times in my life as a child of God, I don't have a clue what I need to pray. I don't have a clue what to say, but I'll just bow and I'll say, oh God, oh God. I remember hearing my precious pastor, Brother David Harrison, on a many of occasions get under a burden, get in a turmoil and a travail over souls. And the only thing he knew to say was, oh God. That's a call. Hey, I remember a woman that got down at the feet of Jesus. Jesus and a bunch of Pharisees sitting around and she got down on her knees and began to weep bitter tears on his feet and take the hairs of her head and wash the Lord's feet. Uh-huh. And he looked around at those Pharisees and said, her sins be forgiven her. She didn't even pray a prayer, Mr. Priscilla. What'd she do when she took her hair and wiped the precious feet of the Savior? She was a calling. That's all she knew to do. Hey, you call the best way you know to call. You ever get in trouble bad enough, you call, you don't care what it sounds like. Woo, help. It don't matter what it sounds like. God understands that call. And he said, how shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? prerequisite to callings you've got to believe and I hear this all the time preacher I believed in God all my life well no you really ain't you believed intellectually I believed in my mind there never was a time in my cognizant memory that I didn't believe in Jesus 
I grew up believing in Jesus from the time I was old enough to know anything. I knew about Jesus. I knew He died on a cross. I knew He'd saved sinners, but I didn't know Him. I believed in Him intellectually. What in the world does that word believe mean? It means to commit yourself to Him. You say, how do you know whether somebody's committed to Him? Well, you just look around, use your eyeballs, you can pretty well tell most folks. I can pretty well tell most folks ain't committed to Him. Ain't never done nothing to change your life. But I tell you what, Jesus come by and changes your life. That people will see the commitment in your life. I tell you what commitment is. It's when precious brother Weston takes little precious Miss Jamie and took her for his wife and put that little old ring on her little old finger. And what he said was, I'm committing to you. And that means I ain't shopping for another one. I ain't looking for a better deal. I ain't waiting on a blue light special or a discount bargain bin. That's where most folks get their second and third wives from. He's 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 committed to what he's got. And you know what that means when you believe on Christ Jesus as your Savior? You commit yourself to him. You trust him. You trust him. You trust his words. You commit yourself to him. And you let go of everything else. Truly believing is true repentance. Because, Miss Tony, when you step out of that seat and you truly repent, and you truly trust Him, what that means is when I take this step right here, when I reach out of this pew right here, I'm turning my back on everything I thought I was. I'm turning my back on everything I thought I used to be. There's some of you have stepped out of a pew, and you turn your back on church membership. There's been deacons' wives and Sunday school teachers and youth leaders that's got saved in this church in the last six months. And when you took that step toward this altar, you took that step toward a place of repentance, you turned your back on everything you thought you was. You turned your back on everything ever. Everybody else thought you was and got to a place where you didn't care. It didn't make no difference what somebody else thought you needed some help. And you was willing when you saw the one that could help you to commit yourself to him. Amen. A lot of folks ain't willing to commit to him, Brother James. They will hold on to everything else. If you're going to get married, you better be willing to commit to one. Amen. You don't get married and keep dating flirting around. That's right, that's right. You see, that's so perverted in the world society that we live in today. People can't understand simple salvation because they don't understand marriage. It's a commitment. How shall they call upon Him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? You say, Brother Mike, I've heard of Him all my life. I ain't what I'm talking about. That <laughs> ain't the one I'm talking about. You've heard about Him for a long time. Miss Dawn had heard about him probably all her life. But that one morning on the way to work, she got to hearing something. (laughs) One morning over there in the shop, old brother Chad got to hearing something. I remember one or two woke up lost on a Sunday morning or two and called the house and said, Preacher, I woke up lost this morning. You know what they did? They got to hear him for the first time. I'll tell you what, old Gary Tilly, I don't, I don't know if Gary's in the building this morning or not. He's a police officer. And as far as Gary Tilly's concerned, he can tell you what's right and tell you what's wrong. And just coming from Gary Tilly don't mean much. Right, right. Hey, small boys, I went to school with deputy sheriffs today and I remember me and them boys used to fight like cats and dogs. One of them in particular. One time he took my glasses off of me, and when he did, I clobbered him. And we fought like, I mean, like cats and dogs. And you know what? Today, if 
far as they're concerned, we're pretty much the same. Except for one thing. When they put that badge on. When they put that badge on, they come in the authority of the Wilkes County Sheriff's Department. And just somebody telling you you're doing wrong, that don't mean much. But when they get behind you and they put them blue lights on and they pull you over, if you got half cents, that big old lump will come up in your throat and you'll realize you're dealing with a different authority. And I can tell you about Jesus and tell you about Jesus. And you can just say, that's that fat slobbering preacher trying to tell me something, trying to tell me how to live. And you think that all you want to think, but there'll come a day when God will write out a warrant. Yeah. <laughs> you can come the easy way, you can come the hard way. There's been a time or two in my life, y'all probably don't believe this, but I wasn't always Sunday school material. There's always there's been a time or two in my life I got a call from the sheriff's department and they knew me and they said, Mike, we got some papers over here you might want to come see the magistrate about. You can go the easy way, you can go the hard way, but when God writes out that warrant, son, I'll tell you what, the high sheriff of glory comes down and settles down around you. He ain't never missed a one. And he begins to deal with your soul and call your name. Praise God. You may ignore what the preacher says. You may ignore them folks down on the riverbank are getting baptized. You may ignore some of these folks that stand up and we can give their testimony. But I'll tell you what, when the high sheriff of glory slaps the cuffs on you, you'll know you've heard from heaven. When I talk about here and I'll talk about here and not about Jesus, hearing from Jesus. There's a big difference. <laughs> Praise God. And he said a preacher. How shall they hear without a preacher? I've come to the conclusion this morning if God could use a donkey and he could use a rooster, he could use a redneck from fire plains. <laughs> you know what? God chooses the base things this world can found the wise. He said, Brother Mike, why don't you be more dignified and stand up there and don't never take your coat off or loosen your collar and stand behind that pulpit real rigid like. You embarrass us and scream and holler and spit and carrying on and all that kind of actions. But the Word of God said that God chose base things to confound the wise. And I tell you what, this morning who I am and what I do may seem foolish to people. That's what the Word of God said, that God chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And the authority that I have this morning is, how shall they preach except they be sent? God's in control of the whole thing. God is in control of the whole thing. Matter of fact, the church don't even call a pastor. The Word of God said, take heed therefore unto yourselves and all the flock over which the Holy Ghost have made you overseers to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. That means God had a plan for this thing, Brother Sammy, before any of us ever got involved in it. And I've given you this thing in reverse order this morning the same way that Paul gave it, but let me just turn it around. Number one thing has to happen is God's got to send a preacher. There's a whole lot of folks that stand up this morning and they're telling the truth. There's some churches around where you can find the truth. But there ain't many of them got the power and the unction of the Holy Ghost of God. And that separates what God's pleased with and what God's not pleased with. And if you want to know the difference, the way to know the difference is when does God show up? Does God come around? 
There's been a whole lot of places that I've been in my ministry. Brother George Mathis said, I went in and preached my heart out and I couldn't find God with two FBI agents and a search warrant. He wasn't there. And he wasn't going to be there. He wasn't going to come there. And did you know this morning he don't go everywhere? And it'd do us well to be real tender when he comes around and just praise him and pet on him and glorify him and honor him just because he's worthy. But he sends a preacher. And a preacher comes with a message. And when the preacher comes with a message from the Holy Ghost, it'll be heard. And then when it gets heard, you'll have the power to believe. And if you have the power to believe, you will call. And when you call, that heart call, you can get saved. But all of those things I just mentioned are all prerequisites to that call. First of all, there's got to be an invitation. You know in the book of Esther, when Esther went before the king, Ahasuerus, before she went before the king, she was scared to death because she was trying to go in the presence of the king and she hadn't been invited. And she knew when she got around the king, if he didn't hold out his scepter, she didn't come touch the top of his scepter that her head was a gone. And I'll tell you what, this morning, you don't get to God without an invitation. Amen. There must be an invitation. Do you know what God's been doing lately? He's been sending little invitations here and there. Amen. I remember the morning that Miss Kim crawled in this altar. Yeah. She's probably one of the first bricks in the wall. Amen. In the morning, she crawled up here in this altar and stood up and said... I was a good girl, but I'd never been saved. Amen. Got saved. You know what? That morning, God sent somebody an invitation. Amen. I don't know whether you've listened to it or not. There's been one right after another, right after another. And you've watched them. And you say, well, when's God going to call me? Well, wake up. He may be calling you. Right. Just a little, still, small voice. A little invitation here. And a little invitation there. I'll tell you what, this morning, salvation's simple. There ain't nothing easy about it. It's simple. This crowd has damned millions in the hell this morning trying to make salvation something that came out of a discount bargain bin, and it did not. It cost my Savior His life and His blood. It cost the Lord Jesus everything. And I'm going to tell you what, it hurts when you come to the realization you're a sinner and you're in need of a Savior, but there's not any other way. Now, I see a lot of folks do this, and it's wrong. And I, when I first got in the ministry, I didn't understand much about this, Miss Lloyd. But I remember being in places, and a man had preached, and he'd give some kind of an invitation like this. And he'd tell folks, stand, and if you're lost, I want you to raise your hand. If you're lost, and you know you're lost, and you want to say this prayer, repeat after me. You just stand right where you're at, and you just pray, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And they're standing there, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Lord, I know I need a Savior. Say, Lord, I know I need a Savior. And ask Jesus to come in your heart. Jesus, come in my heart. And Lord, you said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And Lord, I'm calling. And you said you'd save me. Lord, I'm calling. Save me. And they stand there and they chew their chewing gum. And they look around and see who's looking. And they say their little prayer. And then that fellow gets through and he said, now if you prayed this prayer, raise your hand. And folks have still got their heads bowed and there'll be 16 or 20 who raise their hand. They prayed their little prayer. They may have prayed a little prayer, but that is not what born-again salvation, new birth experience is. 
It's a birth. And until you get born again, you're not getting in. It's not about praying a prayer. It's about meeting a Savior and getting an invitation. When He calls on you, then you can call on Him.